This is the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast, episode number 17. Home improvements, home renovations, home maintenance, home repairs, and all the other challenges of home ownership. Welcome to the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast. Hey folks, my name is Doug, and this is the Thumb and Hammer Podcast. And can you believe that we are almost through the month of May? Holy smokes, this year is just flying by. Before anything else, I want to apologize for skipping a week. Here's the deal. I normally try to get this podcast up sometime Friday morning, and last week I missed my own deadline. I don't really have an excuse. I just got caught up doing other things that were not producing a podcast. So one thing led to another, and here we are a week later. I will spare you the details and simply say sorry. Well. I have finally started working on getting the garage set up as a woodworking shop, or at least I started taking the first steps. I want the workshop to be climate controlled year round. Last year, I bought a cheap used window air conditioner, and it looks like I'm going to have to do some jerry rigging in order to make it work in my garage window. It would be nice to get it installed and running by the time the hot weather gets here. I also want to have a heater installed by next winter. I am looking at a few different options between forced air or infrared radiant tube or maybe even split ductless. I have to talk to a heating contractor to decide which will work best for me. A split ductless system will save me from messing around with the window air conditioner, but the electric heat will be more expensive to run. Otherwise, I'll need to have a gas line run to the garage. That won't be too big a deal because the garage is attached, We just have to go through the wall from the basement. But I would like to get that done as soon as possible so I can start working at closing the basement up. That's been in shambles since we had the waterproofing done after our little flood last year. Now, a big part of climate control depends on proper insulation. The garage is completely drywalled, so I determined the level of insulation the old-fashioned way. I punched a couple random holes in the walls, And I come to find out that the back wall and side wall are not insulated. So I looked into drill and fill insulation. That's where they drill holes in the top of the wall and fill the cavity with insulation, usually cellulose. And while it would be nice to avoid the mess of removing the drywall, it looks like that is going to be my cheapest solution. Drill and fill would cost about double what it will cost me to install bat insulation myself and put up plywood sheeting, which I think will be more durable for the workshop anyway. So a couple weeks ago, equipped with my trusty pry bar, I stripped the back wall and took that load off to the dump. I will attack the side wall next. It would be nice to get all this stuff done before I start setting up my tools and organizing the shop because, gotta tell you, it's going to be a pain in the butt to move that stuff around once it's all being unpacked. Getting the workshop somewhat set up will make it a whole lot easier for me to do other work around the house. I talked about the DIY shuffle a few episodes ago, and this is all part of that. So that's kind of what I have going on around here right now. I would like to start off this episode of the podcast with another segment of If You Ask Me. 
You see, there are a lot of experts out there, either on television or radio or podcasts, who will answer questions about home improvements. And I have a lot of respect for them. I enjoy listening to them. I want to learn as much as I can. But there are times that I find myself questioning their answers. And I would like to think that after 20 years of home ownership, I know enough that I can give a pretty solid answer myself, if you ask me. So, Adam Carolla has been doing a television show for Spike TV called Adam Carolla and Friends Build Stuff Live, where they build a project in real time on the show. He also does segments where he will take questions from callers and from the audience. And it was in one of these segments that he was asked about a laundry closet. These folks had a washer and dryer installed in their closet, and they had measured everything to make sure it would fit, but they did not take into account the doors of the washer and dryer. These were front loaders, so the doors were rounded and protruded out a bit, enough so that they went past the door frame. Now, I am going by memory here, so I'm not 100% on this, but I believe that it looked like the closet was located in a hallway, probably going to the back door or garage or something like that. Unfortunately, since I'm in Canada, I cannot watch Spike online to verify, so I could be wrong about that, but for our purposes here, let's assume that I'm right anyway. Anyway, Adam suggests that they build the doorway out, strapping it with two-by-twos and then installing bifold doors. That could work, but if you ask me, it's not the best solution. First of all, by building out the doorway, I think it would look like something that was an afterthought. It would be obvious that this was not part of the original design of the house, and I just don't think it would look very good. Plus, you would have to make sure that the 2x2s would provide enough clearance for the doors. And judging from the picture that was on the TV screen... I'm just not sure that they would be enough. Um, It would really suck to do all that work and not be happy with the end result. And let's face it, chances are pretty good that those bifold doors would be left open a lot of the time. At least that was our experience when we had a laundry closet with bifold doors. And that means that they would be encroaching on that hallway. I think instead, a better solution is to not treat this as a closet at all. For example, in the UK, it is not uncommon for laundry equipment to be found in kitchens, built into cabinets the same way as, say, dishwashers. I mean, these modern washers and dryers are beautiful, and it's almost a shame to hide them. So I think I would prefer to treat this closet as more of an alcove. Install the laundry team side by side and have the countertop above them to serve as a folding table. And then above that, I would install some higher end cabinets for detergents and dryer sheets and all that stuff. Really go for that custom built in look. The only thing that you'd have to watch for is that the countertop does not become a drop zone for mail and keys and other stuff like that. This should be dedicated to laundry only. Modern washers and dryers are relatively quiet, so noise shouldn't be too much of an issue. And besides, if they used hollow core bifold doors, those don't do much to dampen sound anyway. 
Now again, this works if my memory is correct about the closet being in a hallway. If it's part of another living area of the house, you may not want your laundry team to be on display. But I would definitely consider this option, if you ask me. Now, if you have a similar question and would like my opinion about anything related to home improvements, you can drop me an email by going to thumbandhammer.com slash contact and filling out the form. Or, on that same page, you can record a voicemail message and send that to me. Your question could be featured on a future episode of this podcast. And even if it's not used for the podcast, you will still get a response from me. All right, next up, I want to talk a little bit about my YouTube channel. Back at the end of December, I started doing these video updates every other week. The idea was to bring you into my house so I could show you exactly what I was working on and so I could report on my progress. I figured that it would be quick and easy to shoot a short video without doing a whole lot of editing and throw it up on YouTube. Well, I was wrong. You see, I wake up early Saturday morning and I lie awake in bed contemplating everything I hope to accomplish that day. I don't want to start banging around too much, waking up the wife and kid. So that, I figured, was the best time to do this video. The problem is, to get five minutes of usable video would take me way too long. Multiple takes. Tripping over words. The video looking like crap. You name it. So an hour or so later, I would be sitting at the computer doing a whole lot of editing, and then I would still have to upload it to YouTube and link to it from the website. And along the way, usually while the video was processing, I would tend to get distracted either by email or something else online or something related to the website or something completely unrelated. And by the time I finished, I would have lost all momentum and ambition. Hey, I'm lazy. It doesn't take much. So what I found was that each update, I spent more time talking about what I hadn't got done rather than showing any kind of progress. And let's face it, that does nothing to add any value. The last thing I want to do is waste your time or mine. I am not a professional YouTuber or blogger or podcaster. I, I work full time. I do this website stuff on the side. Plus, I'm also actually trying to do the home improvement stuff that I'm talking about. And the video update or vlog or whatever you want to call it, that was just turning into too much of a distraction. So that is why I'm no longer going to do it on a regular basis. I might still do video updates, but only when there's actually something to update. While I'm on the subject of not getting stuff done according to plan, let's take a look at the honeydew list. I am really good at making lists. I will spend some time at work at the end of the week and write up my to-do list for the weekend. Sometimes it will be very general, but most of the time it will be very detailed. Often I will break a task down into specific elements. For example, 
if I planted plant, bleh, if I plan, one more time, if I plan to paint trim, I will list the first coat and the second coat and cleanup as individual list items. I guess I look at it as kind of a psychological thing. The more stuff that I'm able to check off of a list, the more I feel I accomplish. <laughs> I admit, it's kind of nutty. There are times that I even go to the extreme of scheduling my day, setting blocks of time for each item. Like 9 to 9.30, paint the first coat of trim. 9.30 to 9.45, clean up. 9.45 to, you know, whatever, so on and so forth throughout the day. You get the idea. At the very least, it gives me an idea of how well I'm using my time. How much longer I can expect to work in order to finish everything I have to do for that day. But I think that I'm also hoping that some tasks won't take as long as the time I allotted for them and that there will be some sort of endorphin rush or something from getting ahead of schedule. I don't know. The problem with doing the schedule thing is that it doesn't take much to throw the whole day off. I mean, I could sleep in. Or maybe it takes me a few extra minutes to track down some painting supplies. Where the heck did I put that brush? Or maybe my wife wants to talk about something. Suddenly I can find myself behind schedule without any hope of ever catching up. At any rate, I don't think I've ever completed 100% of any to-do list that I've made for any specific day. So what I'm left with at the end of the day is not just a list with my accomplishments checked off, but a list of everything I did not get done. A list of failures. And that can be a tad soul-crushing. So I tried something a little different for a while. I didn't bother making a to-do list for the day. I mean, I can look around, and I have no problem finding enough stuff that needs to be done to easily fill my day. No, what I did instead was take some time at the end of the day and make a list of everything I accomplished. A 100% completion list. I remember one day specifically when I was doing something and I needed a particular tool. Now, I have pointed out that I have tools in the garage and some in the shed and some down in the basement, and most of them are still in the U-Haul boxes from when we moved. But I was looking for whatever it was out in the shed, and I got to tell you, I got frustrated by the mess that was out there. I ended up emptying out about half the shed and reorganizing it. There was a bunch of scrap lumber that had been left there by a previous owner. I took that load of lumber to the dump. And then I went to our storage unit and grabbed a resin shelving unit so that I could at least get the stuff off the ground. Have the boxes on shelves rather than stacked on top of each other. Now, the dump is about half an hour away. So that's at least an hour round trip by itself. And our storage unit is another 15 minutes further than that. Plus, there's the time that I spent loading the garbage before I went, the time that I spent offloading the garbage at the dump, plus the time I spent in our storage unit getting the shelves. I mean, add all that together, it's at least a couple of hours. 
The shed needed to be cleaned out sooner or later. I need to get my tools organized to where I can actually find them when I need them, but that day, the shed was not on my radar at all. It did not move the needle on the task that I was working on. But it was something that needed to be done eventually, so that does count for something, right? Well, if I'd been working from a list that day, then no. But now it was on my list of completed tasks. And the advantage of doing that list of completed tasks is exactly that. You have proof in writing that you actually accomplished something. And you can also see where you spent your time, which will give you insight into how to better manage your time. I mean, maybe the shed wasn't my best use of time that day. Maybe there was something else I could have done instead that was a higher priority. It's easy to see when it's all written down. Actually, the, uh, the shed was time well spent. But maybe there were other things that I spent time on that day that I could have delegated to others. Like a certain teenager who could probably help out more than she does. <clears throat> Just saying. Though maybe I shouldn't expect too much help from my daughter for the next week or so on account of I broke her toe. There's a story there. I will get to that in a few minutes. Anyway, between my job and trying to get stuff done on the weekend, time management and prioritizing tasks is always going to be a challenge. But I just found that shifting my focus for a while from what I need to do to what I got done, that seemed to work out well for me in terms of motivation and momentum. And maybe it will for you too. Oh, you know, something else I just thought of. When you're working from that honey-do list, it's easy to lose your focus because instead of just looking at the next thing you need to do, you are also seeing everything else on the list. And that can get to be a little overwhelming. It's a little like waiting in line, like for a roller coaster at an amusement park. I know, it's a bizarre comparison, but stay with me. When you focus on the people who are ahead of you, it feels like you're never going to get there. When you look back at the people behind you, you get a sense of how far you've come. But when you're having a conversation or something, when you're not focusing on what's ahead or behind, but instead of you're focusing on what's immediate, that's when you seem to move without really noticing. You know what I mean? I don't know if that made sense or not. But yeah, focus on one task at a time. Don't let the list of everything you need to do overwhelm you. And if it does, take a look back at how much you've already got accomplished. Something like that. So yeah, my, uh, my daughter's toe. <laughs> oh boy. I was outside cutting the grass. The grass hadn't been cut for a couple weeks. We had had a lot of rain. The grass had grown like crazy. So I was out there, I was trimming it with the uh, weed whacker in the backyard. And uh got to tell you, that was an exercise in frustration. You see, my old weed whacker had died. It was Yardworks 20-volt battery-powered trimmer, which I believe is sold exclusively at Canadian Tire. Well, it was a few years old, and it was the second one that I bought. The one before lasted four or five years before the motor seized on it. <laughs> Nothing like pulling the trigger and hearing a hum and smelling smoke. But anyway, I had bought the newer model to replace it a couple years ago, and 
now I had two batteries. Well, this new one was starting to give me a hard time. The newer battery seemed to discharge a lot faster than the old battery, but okay, I still had two batteries. But now the trimmer would die on me even if the battery still had a charge. I don't know if it was the motor or the switch or the battery, but she was kaput. So I bought a new Black & Decker 20-volt battery-powered trimmer from Lowe's. It was an older model that was on clearance, but I figured it would be good enough. Well, let me tell you, this thing is anemic. It has two modes. The battery-saving mode has almost no power. It takes twice as long to cut, so I mean, what's the point? And the battery doesn't last long enough to get around our 50 foot by 110 foot lot at the higher speed. And the battery takes four hours to charge. Plus, I'm six foot two, and this thing is made for someone who's maybe five feet tall, so I have to be a bit of a contortionist when I use it. But anyway, I managed to get the backyard trimmed before the battery died on me. And because the grass was so long, I had to raise the wheels on the lawnmower to their maximum height in order to cut the grass the first time. Then I lowered the wheels and cut the grass a second time. So when I finished the backyard, the battery for the weed whacker was still charging, and I used that as an excuse to take a break. Well, I did some stuff on the computer for a while. My laptop is on the dining room table, and the chairs are okay for sitting down for a meal for a maybe a half hour or so, but any longer than that, they get pretty uncomfortable. Not to mention my back was hurting from being bent over the darn weed whacker. So I decided to take a break from my break. My wife and daughter were watching TV in the living room. My wife was on the love seat and my daughter was sprawled out on the floor in front of the chair that she usually sits in. I went over to the chair that I usually sit in not noticing the direction that my daughter was doing her sprawling. Well, I stepped on something, and she screamed. And I realized that I was stepping on her foot. I tried to get off, but I was already committed to sitting in the chair, and gravity and inertia had taken over, only now I was also off balance. So I went down, hard, taking the chair with me. My daughter yelled at me, What am I, invisible? Well, yeah, obviously. So anyway, the aftermath of all this, when I stepped on her foot, her baby toe bent in a direction that it was not designed to bend, and it was turning 50 shades of purple. We assumed the toe was broken. Having broken a toe myself a few years back, I know that there really isn't anything they can do for it, so it's not like we went and got an x-ray or anything, but... Her foot reminded me of my foot, so I think it's safe to assume that her toe was indeed broken. So now, my daughter has an injury from relaxing. And my already sore back was now sorer. <laughs> That's a word. So basically, I messed up my back when I took a break because my back was messed up. Good times. On that note, I am going to wrap up this episode, but before I do, I want to talk a bit about social media. I do have a presence on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at Thumb and Hammer, which is all one word, 
thumb and hammer. But anyway, back sometime between November and January, one of the people that I follow on Twitter complained about all the ugly political posts that were littering her Twitter feed. I don't know. I, I think there was some sort of election or something in the U.S., and there seemed to be a little difference of opinion about the direction the country was taking or should take. Well, back in my day, back in my day, years ago, you know, th th there used to be a time when there were two topics that you just didn't talk about, religion and politics. Well, now thanks to social media, it seems that it's all anybody is talking about and everybody is making their opinion known. And it's not a conversation. You know, here's what I think. Now I'd like to hear what you think. No, it's not about an intellectual exchange of ideas. Social media is being used as a digital soapbox. The only thing that matters is what I think. And then you go ahead and you mix some narcissism with that. And it's less about, here's what I think about that topic. And more, this is what I believe. And that makes me better than you. And it even goes a step further. If you don't agree with me, then you are either stupid or evil. Well, that sort of thing shows up every day in my Facebook feed. You know, I use my personal Facebook to keep, uh, keep track of friends and family. And there are certain friends and family whose politics are not aligned with my own. And frankly, there are attitudes and opinions that I would rather not know about. So I keep scrolling. But that doesn't happen to me on Twitter. No, here's the thing. My Twitter is set up as an extension of the website. The people I follow are mostly in the home improvement, DIY, and woodworking spaces. And you know what they post about? They post about whatever project they are working on, or whatever project they just finished or are about to start. There is very little in the way of politics on my Twitter feed. Generally speaking, the people that I follow in those communities, they use their energy to make their corner of the world just a little bit better. And that is what they share with their followers. My point is, there is positivity on social media. It does exist. And that's probably the best part about being part of the DIY and home improvement community. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Thumb and Hammer Home Improvement Podcast. As always, you can find the show notes for this episode, plus past episodes at thumbandhammer.com. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you again in a couple weeks. Cheers. Cheers.